Welcome to your Breakthrough Blueprint. I'm your host, Becky Oste, a wife, mom, and trauma-informed marriage coach. After a decade of trying all the mainstream modalities of healing to save my marriage, I found myself two kids later separated and on the verge of divorce. That's when I stumbled upon the unconventional game changer of somatic work that not only resurrected my dying marriage, but bled into breakthroughs in my parenting, purpose, spirituality, health, wealth, business, and more in just six months. My intention with this podcast is simple. Through every weekly episode, my goal for you is that one, you realize how insanely collective our struggles are, that you're not even close to alone. Two, that you can laugh a little because God knows we need it. And three, that you walk away with actionable advice on how to design your unique blueprint for your breakthrough life. So get your earbuds in, grab your coffee so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to another episode. I can't believe it's taken this long, but I finally officially have Justin Buonamo on the podcast with me, and I'm so excited for this conversation. Justin, before we dive in, can you introduce yourself for those who don't know you? Sure. Well, I appreciate you having me. And for those who don't know me, and I have a a great relationship with Becky, professional, and one that's growing into an awesome friendship too as well. And anybody listening to this podcast or in her world or that is in her world, I promise you, if you realize it or not, you're massively fortunate to be in her space. And I just feel extremely grad, an extreme level of gratitude to be here today because I just, I've seen you over the past couple of months, past six or so months, like nobody makes the progress in that time frame that you made, that you have made, excuse me. And, and I know you're taking the people in your world along with you. And so I'm just honored to be here. So I wanted to get that out of the way before I spoke about little boring old me. And so for people that don't know me, my name is Justin Buonamo. I live in a suburb outside of Baltimore with my wife and two dogs. And we own a company called Journey to Financial Freedom, where we help online coaches and business owners take control of their finances, scale their business, and then live their dream life in that order. And we find that most people don't have business problems. They have personal problems leaking into their business. And most times those personal problems are financial ones. But one thing I've been able to learn and navigate and grow through from my childhood and even to present day is the management of money in your marriage. And wow, it's kind of fun, right? I feel like it's like the out of my whole entire money spectrum, that's the thing that I'm worst at. So I hope that's going to be helpful here today for people, but uh, I'm excited to to take that direction. Well, I love that you're not afraid to lead with your worst foot forward. That's what made it so possible for me out the gate when I joined JFF to feel free to work through my own money wounds, to talk about it, because you really create this safe space where none of us are pretending like we have this together. Let's please make this an environment where we can be vulnerable and share the struggles as well as the progress and all of the wins and all of it. So because money and marriage can be swirling with so much shame, let's start just by dissolving that for everyone even listening, because even hearing that word money can be a trigger and marriage, right, can be a trigger for some. So pulling back the curtain, would you like to lead off just sharing any messy or challenging things in your personal relationship with money, but then also in your relationship with Lauren when it comes to money? So I think the personal relationship gaps will come out and the examples that I give with Lauren involved. I was thinking about this leading up to this podcast and and full modesty and gratitude. I am great at working with my clients around money. I'm absolutely 
horrible or actually a little bit below average now over the past couple of years when it comes to talking with my wife around money. It's two completely different people. It really is a lot of times. And the only reason why I said a little bit below average is because it's just gotten better maybe this past six months. It has skewed the average from absolutely horrible to a little bit below average. And it is a day-to-day process because I see it as, for one, my wife or our significant other are the recipients of our fight or flight response, right? If we can't flight and run from them, aka avoid the conversation around money, we're going to fight the conversation with them. And a lot of times it won't even be like my flight or flight response will be elicited. And it just happens that the topic of money comes up and that's how I can act out on it for my wife. And she's the one that's always around. She's my supporter. She's my significant other. So she's the one that's catching that. And so to say that I have even created some poor negative stigmas in her mind or apprehensions and fears would be true. And it's crazy to say that because we've been dating, like majority of time that we have been together, JFF has existed, right? I'm not ashamed to, to say that. It's I find it's because when things start to trigger you and you haven't healed the reason for that trigger, you'll take it out on the people that you're around the most and trust the most. And I'm around my wife the most. And I trust my wife the most. And so I just found that like we would sit down to budget. And like something would come up, you know, on one of the credit card statements and instead of $20 overcharge, like I'm freaking out as if we just lost the house and called over. I'm like, what was that? And so mm-hmm. I started to notice it slowly by slowly. And I could talk through here soon, how I worked through it and I'm doing much better. still have a ton of work to do, but I wanted to achieve the objective of just let everybody know, like, I'm not here to preach at anybody. No one should have some shame and guilt around it. I teach this for a living through a multi-million dollar company and I'm still below average when it comes to about in my marriage. It's so real. And you speak to the triggers, you speak to the fight or flight. So I know that doesn't come from anywhere. Can you share the story of where that comes from for you? The reason why I speak to that or why I know about that? Or like where are your money wounds? Yeah. Where you went wrong or where it was mirrored to you that like money was a volatile thing. Just take a note. All right. So I'll talk in the mirror secondly, but when it comes to like our our wounds or our, our triggers, if you will, so your results in life are a direct correlation to your beliefs. Uh, your beliefs are a result of, I'm sorry, a direct correlation to your behaviors. Your behaviors are a result of your beliefs and your beliefs have just been formed from your experiences, your traumas in life. So a lot of times our behaviors and beliefs around money were actually not even rooted in past money wounds or mistakes, originally at least, right? Something in life could have happened that created a belief system that that belief system just dictates all of your behaviors now. And it just so happens that your money has behaviors around them, right? And so to give you an example, I've given this before, but growing up, you know, my father and I had an interesting relationship. He did a lot to support me, was a good man. I'm not here to bash him whatsoever, but we've had rocky relationships throughout the years. And one thing with him is it just at least felt for me as a little boy that it just was never enough. I almost have a perfect game on the cross, but we're harping on the downfall. Almost had an amazing experience here, but we're just, I don't think this was good enough. Like, oh, when I got my job at Hopkins, I'm like, oh, this is a big time job and didn't get the response back from him of how big of a deal it was. So didn't think it was good enough, right? So- that me not being enough created a belief system and now it has created some behaviors with my money that like, yes, did I create this company that I have at JFF to impact 
a whole bunch of lives and change the world a thousand percent. But two things can be true at once. And one thing I've realized is that I've also created the company to make millions of dollars to go back to my dad and be like, hey, is it finally enough? Mm-hmm. Right. So that wasn't a direct money issue or trauma I had in my childhood, but it created a belief system that then led to my behaviors around money. Does that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it breaks my heart. I think that's really relatable to the audience listening right now. Just a lot of my clients, a lot of the people who follow this are in their hyperachiever trauma response or just trying to make up for something that wasn't met or not good enough or abandonment for there's so many reasons that can lead to us being in this like hustle, 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 achieve, 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 kind of prove it mode. But my listeners know I like was really deep stuck in that for like a good decade straight. And meeting Kelly, who I know you're g- great friends with, helped me undo and unravel and heal a lot of that. Uh, and I've just continued to like work on that when it comes to marriage, when it comes to business, when it comes to money. And so it's a relatable story. I think personally, when I think of my own money wounds and then my big mistakes in marriage, With the personal side, I can't think of any big T traumas. I know with you, you had the the accident and then you got all of this money right from the lawsuit and then blew it all. Like how quickly after? I think being nice, saying two and a half years after. Two and a half years after. 80K blown. And you were how old? I got the money when I was 18. So between 18 and 20, 21 at college, six hours away from my family with no supervision and playing college across from one of the best teams in the program, or in the, in the nation, excuse me. And just having all of this access to all of this money with terrible mirroring of money growing up. Because that was the other thing I wrote down the yeah. earlier you had you had touched on mirroring. And so I had, and I think you used the word volatile, right? Is that what mm-hmm. you said? I think you said? That's exactly what I saw. One day we were rich, next day we were poor. Mm-hmm. One day my dad's at the mall buying me $600 worth of shit. The next day I can't go to soccer practice because he can't pay the coach. I was like, what is going on here? But yeah. uh, my parents made really good money when they filed for bankruptcy for the first time. And I think they've had a couple of incidents since too as well. And it's just, it's crazy how cycles will continue until you get to the root cause of them. And I think you and I have talked about this before, but a lot of times people take an approach at behaviors. They try to address issues from a behavioral level. Once you start to address things from a belief level, you get better results. It's like mm-hmm. like the fitness programs that we've all been on out there, right? They do a decent job for a little bit, but then after 90 days, we fall off. Why? Nothing against the programs, but they address things at a behavioral level, right? And so when you can address things at a belief level, like you, I saw some volatile, excuse my language, shit growing up. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm going to have some volatile experiences in life while I'm working through them. Yeah, those are the more big, big T, you could call it traumas, right, that you went through. And I love that you're the financial guy and give people hope now. That's a pretty impressive story, blowing 80, you know, as a kid that quickly. But a lot of volatility for me, I'd say it was more the little T or death by a thousand paper cuts, kind of what was mirrored to me growing up where there wasn't anything massive, but I just saw every day for my whole life, my dad working his ass off and driving. He'd commute an hour and a half each way. He was an electrical engineer for the Navy, but still we were like living paycheck to paycheck. Money was always scarce. I was shopping consignment. I only saw my mom handling the money and it was always with this energy of stress and fear and anxiety. And so I just had this like very deeply imprinted belief that money is never gonna really be enough. I remember asking as a little girl and 
for a while I couldn't even talk about this without crying but I remember being in the car and just being like dad are we ever going to be rich because I had friends who were and I could I started noticing the difference and he was like yeah Becky one day but it was very unconvincing I remember his like energy and tone and everything I was like I don't believe him and then you and my audience know he did die early and so that never happened so like for the longest time my one of my biggest limiting beliefs with money is it's going to be like a carrot on a stick haha it's like just close enough to touch and taste it's never really going to stay or it's never really going to be comfortable enough for you to live this stress-free life and really take care of your family and do the things that you want to do so how that translated into my marriage i mean we went from never talking about money i was very much the avoider don't look at the numbers i don't i'm afraid to see what's in my bank account and so we would just never have money conversations to when i started my own money healing journey i've started to talk about it and share with sebastian what i was learning and to be honest those were dumpster fire conversations at the beginning like they ruined date nights i left feeling like my life is over this money thing is never gonna um, and the conversations took time it was like building a new muscle learning a new language it got better and better but yeah that's a little bit with my story but you've seen so many families financial situations I'm curious what you would say are just the indicators between those who do break free into financial freedom in their family compared to those who do stay stuck, even with the best intentions. The thing that came to mind was, and I'll I'm gonna make my way to your answer. This might be 45 minutes instead of <laughs> 30 this, this episode, but one thing that came to mind was that most people's situations aren't as bad as they think. I mean, like we put, we when they come to us, I'm like, and we actually put the numbers to it, which we'll, I'll call the objectivity here in a second. Oh, this situation is actually not that bad. You're making it bad. You're choosing it, right, in a way. And again, no shame or guilt. Everything that when people come to us, like we say, whatever lack of money progress you have or uh, money mistakes you have made, we no shame or guilt. We know that was not your fault whatsoever. And so couples that can see it that way, then face it, right, then provide some objectivity to their life and then heal themselves, partner together, and then set some aligned goals. We usually have the, that's the cadence too as well, actually is in order, which I'll break it down a little bit simpler here. But I wrote down this cadence earlier thinking about this podcast. And the first thing was, you know, the couples that I see that do really well, they will heal themselves first, right? right? And so it's very hard to partner with somebody else when you can't partner with yourself. It's very hard to love somebody else when you can't love yourself. It's very hard to care for someone else and truthfully be there when you don't even know what's really going on in your own emotional side of things, right? And taking that journey on your own, right? Learning yourself in regards to what causes, what created my belief systems around money and then learning your significant other. Like I tell women before you even try to have a conversation with your husband around money, like you got to know, not a conversation, more so an actionable conversation. Like you can talk to them in a general way, but before you want to have anything that's actionable where you think you're going to make progress towards goals and move forward past mistakes, like you got to understand what their money story is, at least a little bit. Like what happened in their childhood mm -hmm. that made them think the way that they do about money? Mm -hmm. Then learn that. Learn that about yourself first. Learn about your partner second, right? And then make aligned and combined goals, right? And so I see a lot of people that have just different goals. Like this is the wife's goal, but this is the husband's goal, right? They both are not big fans of each other's goal. And so now they're out here 
putting those goals as a wedge in between them instead of the goal out in front of them as partners holding hands working towards it. Mm-hmm. And a win, win, win is available in any opportunity if you're willing to put the work in to find it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I say win, 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 there's always three parties, me, my significant other, and and the world, right? Everybody else around us. And when it comes to your goal making, you have to be on the same page, right? Like you, my goals have to be Lauren's goals mm-hmm. right? and vice versa. Right? We have to all, both be fully bought in. And that's going to take some conversations, some dumpster fires. Making my way back to what you're saying here. And it's like, how does that start? How does making what leeway towards goals being both of yours and actually making progress towards them and actually even achieving them? It starts with some dumpster fire conversations, some ruined date nights, some you, the fellas better get their pillow out for the couch, but it's a part of the process. And when you draw a line in the sand, no matter what it is in life, and you say change starts here today, it's not a clean jump. If anything, it's a bow and arrow effect. You're going to have to put yourself back to shoot yourself forward. And so I see couples, they're not, they can't articulate it like that and conceptualize it from day one, but they mm-hmm. end up acting in that manner and it reaches great success. That was totally our story. Like we had opposite goals. He for years was talking about, let's get into real estate. He had this dream to do short-term rentals and that was always like really exciting to him. And that felt like a threat to me because I was more in this scarcity mindset. Like we need to save, save, save. And that was really, I was self-sabotaging by, I, I was on this track of learning how to make money and my salary was going up year by year, but then not knowing how to keep it. And so it was like neither of us were reaching our goals because we weren't working together. And for me too, just on, I love that term, dumpster fire. I feel like, and we talked about this last week or earlier this week, how some people have this fire of like their money situation and then this fire of their marriage going on in their lives. And it's which fire is bigger right now that you can tackle first so that you have energy and space to like work on the second. And with our trajectory, like first we, the marriage just felt like it was like the biggest fire. And so getting to learn to heal that through the somatic work that I finally found gave us the the foundation to be able to now have those hard money situations. So when we did have those date nights talking about money and trying to get aligned with our goals and it did turn like a dumpster fire for the first time ever, though, I was able to hold myself and be like, but it's okay. We're going to make it through it because I had this newfound, yeah, healing and security from my own abandonment wounds. Like he's not going to leave me just because we had a hard talk about money. Like I can hold space for this. We're going to make it through it. Would you say it's possible to break free into financial freedom if only one partner is doing the work? Possible, but probabilities and effort to make it happen are a different conversation. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent. Like if Lauren didn't support me, I'm still about to make millions. I love you, babe, but like I'll make more if you support me. But I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna crush it. You know, that just it's in me. And so, yeah, a thousand percent. But again, the probability of it happening with the effort that is needed and what it's costing you and your family by you both not being on the same page. It's like, why is one significant other going to build financial freedom when you're altering going to happen? You're just going to have a whole bunch of money with the same relational problems. You're going to have a whole bunch of money. You're just going to buy a bigger unhealthy house. You're going to have an unhealthy house in a small town. You're just going to buy a bigger one. You're just going to be just as unhealthy, you know? Yeah. And so I see it as... 
I always give the example. I almost, why I was hesitating because it's a sports example. I know I'm talking a whole bunch of females. I'm going to do my best to teach it. That's why I just got quiet for a second. But imagine you're playing two-on-two basketball against another couple, right? And your husband's over here shooting hoops for the other team. It's going to be really hard to win, let alone get best results. So think about it the same way. Like your goal was to win that basketball game, right? And if your goal is to reach financial freedom, it's going to be really tough, right? With your husband or you shooting hoops for the other team. And I, I always find this ironic around finances with marriage. It's that it's, I'm pretty sure you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's still the number one reason for divorce in the United States. At least yeah. people put down on paper, right? Um, yes. With so, the caveat of it's usually not just the money, right? It's usually deeper. It's not. It's not yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. So that's what people say. Yes. Not one of those problems were actual money problems. They just mm-hmm. disguised themselves as money problems and it was easy to write down on paper. It's very easy to blame money for shit. Excuse my urge. But so what I'm saying here is that it's the number one reason that tears households apart in the United States, technically on paper. But how I see it is joint finances is an opportunity for you to partner with your best friend who complements your strengths and weaknesses to achieve a common goal together. Let alone that common goal, most likely you have two incomes coming into the house, right? And it's like cheating, right? So people, instead of it using it as a huge leverage, opportunity for their household because they don't want to address tough conversations and old wounds that end up being like it be the number one reason for it either tearing their household apart on paper or even if you stay together whole bunch of unnecessary wounds and trauma passed on to the next generation by you two not being on the same page yeah i think even i totally agree with all of that and also like it's a similar question people ask me with even just marriage of can you save the marriage if only one person is putting in the effort right now? And I think people get so tripped up thinking they have to wait for their partner, whether it is marriage or money, to be fully on board in the same way that they are. And it has to look the same. And it doesn't. I used to think that. And there was like a lot of backfired efforts that I put out in my marriage and in my relationship with Sebastian when it came to money of like just asserting too much control, which control always comes out of a place of fear, right? And so it was like my own unhealed wounds projecting on him, trying to control. We got to, if we're going to get our money right, we got to sit down every Sunday night and have an hour long budget meeting and we both have to be on the same page. That never worked. <laughs> it just backfired. It grew resentment and we weren't getting any more money or any closer. So what we found works for us now is, yeah, I'm mostly the one tracking, but it's okay. I don't care anymore that he doesn't want to have these long budget meetings. To be honest, I didn't want to in the first place. I just thought it was what I was supposed to do or should do. And so, you know, I'm just keeping him updated. I'll send screenshots. We'll cheer together. of Babe, look, we're doing well. We're saving. We're putting away. We paid this much down on our credit card. And it feels like for the first time ever, we're this team, but it doesn't have to look like a cookie cutter perfectly aligned it can be different roles i love that okay i took two notes and i'm gonna hop in because like they're important i think one thing that we see i love that you said you don't have to wait for your husband you don't have to wait for your significant other and i almost prefer when 95 percent of our clients are females by the way disclaimer for the audience and i almost prefer that the wife just starts without the husband because most times they're not on board. They weren't on the initial call. They weren't on the onboarding. They're not really bought in. And so them being around tears down the energy, right? But instead, if they just hang out in the background, especially over the first six months, like it's not a great longevity strategy to have one person only doing everything and healing and budgeting and all those types of things for forever. But there could be a time frame for it. 
And so we see a lot of ladies go first, but their husband's really not even involved. They learn this stuff over the next six months, right? Their energy starts to change. Their bank account starts to change a little bit. Their attitude towards their husband starts to change a little bit. No money conversations brought up whatsoever. But at the end of the day, the biggest critic can't deny the truth. And mm -hmm. so when you start to actually get the results into your life, they're like, hey, they're actually getting results. What's going on with them? What's in their cup of tea? And the conversation can start to happen. And then now you are much wiser in your money journey. You have six months of mentorship and experience and practice to know exactly when that conversation comes up, how to address it. It's like talking to a third grader who hasn't healed any wounds. They have a third grade level knowledge, not disrespecting any husbands like we all do when it comes to initial money basics. And then they also have wounds that they haven't healed from childhood. So just like it was very hard for you to start the journey, it's going to be the same thing for them, but God's choosing you to start their journey. And then they're now into it. And so then the last thing was then the roles. I love the roles. I, I updated for the most part. And then Lauren will update what she does that we have our rules. Like mm -hmm. I'm the analyzer, I'm the planner. I just need her to update what she needs to update. And then let's talk. We've got a, a decent amount of responsibilities and revenue and employees and companies and stuff like that. So we do actually meet once a week if we can for an hour, but it's really just to get on the same page, right? Because I'm often making goals in my head and then not communicating those goals to her. And then her actions don't align to the expectations of the goals. And then I'm flying off the handle. It's like, dude, what do you think? She's going to read your mind. <laughs> so yeah. enough of those arguments was like, I got to solve that. And that's why we meet. But I guess my point of saying this is wife starting first has been, I've seen it succeed. I've seen the husband fall shortly after, right? And, and then having the rules, like your husband doesn't have to be in every day. You don't need to talk to him every day about it. You don't need to meet with him every day. He just need you just need to know what his role is. You need to know what his role is. His role is, and if it's just a celebrating screenshot once every other day, then fantastic. Run with it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, just even unpacking that a little more, because I'm so curious about this. It seems like in the healing space, whether it is therapeutic type healing or or money, I, I notice in these coaching programs in the online space, it dominantly is women. As a dude, what do you think is the reason for that? Because I know uh, you invest in coaches and you're doing your inner child work, Justin, and you're doing your breathing. But like, why is it dominantly women? Is that just like a societal stigma or what's up? I think the healing process is very threatening to the societal example or ideal of a man, of masculinity, right? Because to heal, guess what? Weakness is the answer. If you had any male audience listening to us right now, 95% of them just hung up. It really is. Weakness is the answer. And it is tough work. Everything that you have built your life on as a man saying, this is what makes me a man and strong is actually just the false identity. And so, of course, right? Whether males conceptualize it like that or not, it is a big reason why your ego will keep you away from that journey to keep you safe. And so it is not easy. It really isn't. It's I created a massive amount of success for myself for 30 years and I just realized it was just a bunch of shit to make a name for myself, posture, prove, and protect things that my ego wanted me to. And so when you tell a man that, especially even when I had great success and they're looked up to by many other people too as well, and cling to these things that make them strong, make them an ideal to other men, and you tell them, wait, you did that wrong, that was for the wrong reason, so tough. It's so tough. I'm, I started this healing journey. There was two months I was walking around back. I didn't even know who I was anymore because I had deconstructed 
everything that I built over 30, 31 years. So I could reconstruct. Right? You have that construction phase, right? First half of your life. Deconstruction is when you rip it down and you're now no one until you figure out who God made you to be and you can now reconstruct. Again, so tough, so tough that it takes a lot of feminine energy to go through that. It really does. What was it that turned you toward that deconstruction in the first place? God gave me everything that I thought that was going to give me happiness in this life. A million dollar business, our dream house, an incredible wife, driving our dream cars, dream business, right? All of that. And I confuse those amplifiers of happiness of, or source of happiness, right? And when I realized that they didn't fix all of the problems that I thought that they were going to fix, God put me in this paradoxical corner that just forced me to look within. I had every single thing on paper that I wanted to achieve and society would tell you a seven-year-old man, if they achieved it, were successful. And I had done it at 29 and I was still just as unhappy as before. It doesn't mean those things are bad. It doesn't mean don't go after your dream business. They're great, but they're just amplifiers of happiness, not source. And so I had to heal to be okay with myself, to then be able to pour into the people around me too as well, to not pass on my traumas. And I just took that responsibility or took that paradoxical corner as an eye opener that this was my responsibility to heal. And basically, very simply put, God gave me everything I thought was going to make me happy. It didn't. I still felt exactly the same and it just pointed me to heal internally because that was going to be the only answer to make me actually happy. And then you found yourself a Jake Kaufman and did your spiritual retreats and you're in your era of enlightenment now. And it sounds like these past six months, these past six months too, it's flooded into your marriage. So tell us what that looks like. Like how has money stuff been healing with Lauren? What's new? What's been supporting that? So watch actually. So the past six months for sure, our money conversations have been awesome. Like we're crushing it. We're living our life, making a lot of money, giving a lot of money away, investing a lot of money. It's been awesome. And, but still have some, you know, you owned a company with 13 employees and a couple hundred clients that you have problems. So even though I just said that in the beginning, it's it is, we still definitely have our problems. If anything, right, why it was important that we started to heal and grow. Because as you grow your money, grow your business, grow your vision, your problems grow too as well. Darkness grows with the light. And from a probability standpoint, if 2% or if out of the money that you make each month, you spend 10% of it suboptimally, as you make more money, that 10% equals more money, right? Dollar sign wise. And so your problems only grow. And so one thing that we have done really well has been to get to know each other's money wounds. I want to know what your money wounds are, right? I want to know why you shell up every time you pull mm -hmm. up your chair at the computer for us to talk about money. I want to know why you act like we're still poor when you're at the grocery store and hitting me up about this thing being $3 more expensive than this. It's like, what? You know, I want to, I want you to know why every time a hundred dollar random expense pops up, I fly off the handle. Oh, we are completely fine. And that is because... Every time that happened when I was a child, my dad was literally flipping tables mm. and I literally couldn't go to soccer practice. So mm. we got to know that about each other over the past six months. My mom just tried calling. I declined it. <laughs> I saw your face go a little blank. I was like, that's okay, so funny. That's so cool. Yeah. It's just so, it's so beautiful. I'm so grateful for all of the healing these past couple of years have brought. And yeah, both marriage and money. Like I never thought I'd be able to say, whoa, this is beautiful energy that we're experiencing right now. Like these are good vibes towards money, towards marriage. Not to say it's 
perfect. Yeah, my audience knows that too. Like I'm still very open about triggers are there. We're still working through them. We're still healing. But as we kind of land this plane, I got two more questions for you. And it's just geared towards advice to the listener. And so for the people listening in two different camps, the one is for those at the beginning of their money healing journey where they're like where I was at, where like anytime I even talked about money, I would start crying. It was needed that much thawing. It was that untouched. So for those in that boat, maybe they're in that hustle culture. They know how to make money, but not keep it or grow with it. Definitely don't have an intimate relationship with it. Where do they start? So... Wow. Hustle, our hustle culture, I used to be the president of it, right? And so when it comes to hustle culture, like the working and, and you can earn money, right? All that really is, is just a coping mechanism for something deeper, right? Again, it's just, it may not even be money related. It's because we fear rejection, right? And so we think that we will be accepted by earning and accomplishing, right? And so when it comes to the hustle culture stuff, I think the number one thing is... I'm trying to get easy, tangible steps here, but I'm just going to be honest. The number one thing that you're going to do to have success in every asset of your life, especially finances, just to understand what your experiences in life and traumas were that are creating the need for you to hustle and then not be able to save that money. You're, we're choosing that, right? Why are we choosing that? And so when you do go to step into that exploration, the first thing is to go into it, dropping the shame and guilt. As I said before, your past money mistakes and lack of progress are not your fault. I promise you that. Anybody listening to this, this is your next step. So wrap your head around that. I promise you that. All you did was mirror exactly what you were shown as a child. Right? You're doing the best you can to survive, right? And so none of that was your faults, right? So though that is normal, effective, a completely different conversation. So to change the efficacy of the things that you do with your money, right? You have to understand why you do them. Where did those come from? Where Did I experience something in childhood that made me do that? And then the la last thing is you will never out earn your poor money habits. Right? I talked a lot about wound healing today and a thousand percent that is so important, but we also are huge on systems and strategies, mm -hmm. right? And so when it comes to having the right systems and strategies in your life, a system and strategy is not to make as much money as you possibly can because all more money is going to do, it's going to accentuate your more money habits. You're going to make more to spend more. You're going to make more to see just a little. You're going to make more and have the same exact problems you had in the past if you had less money coming in. We're not against making more money. It's just a cadence to it. Steward what you currently have to the best of your ability. And I promise you, you'll welcome more and you'll do well with it. So good. So what I hear you saying in summary is just become trauma aware, get curious about where could my money resistances and triggers be coming from? How did I see my parents? handle money growing up? What was the energy around money? And just, yeah, that curious explorer kind of stage. And then learn some systems, which I would recommend this dude right here, guys. If you don't know where to go to learn the systems, this is where I learned it. And now I track my budget daily. I never, ever thought I'd be saying that. I would rather eat dirt than do that. But now it's like fun for me. Good advice, Justin. The last piece is for those that are doing well personally with their money, but they want to deepen financial intimacy with their spouse. Best first steps for them. Same thing. Now get to know their wounds. Yeah. You kind of mentioned that before, right? It's yeah. Getting curious about yeah. their wounds. And being so graceful with them, mm -hmm. right? And and with yourself, because you're going to be the one that starts the dumpster fire half the time of the conversations that you get into. 
right? Like you're not, just because you're good with money doesn't mean you're fully healed. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that the closest person to you still can't be your recipient of your fight or flight responses, right? And so I think get to know them too as well. Make, especially the males, right? Society makes us feel as if we should just know money coming out the womb and that it's our responsibility. And if we are not good with it or don't have a lot of it, then we're not a man, right? And 95% of the husbands, people listening today are definitely carrying that around in some fashion or some form. So making them feel seen and heard that that's, you don't think that like they're okay. You're, they're just as much of a man, if not more, despite what their lack of money, knowledge and progress is. If you can unarm them with that, because that's the biggest thing. We just feel like we have to have it together. Like I gotta, I gotta make a ton of money and drive this nice car and have this nice watch. And then also know a bunch about it too as well. It's just not true. It's just not true. And so you can, the person that they love the most, the person that they fear rejection from probably the most too as well. And if you can make them feel safe about that, debunk that, unarm them, doors are wide open now to work together. Yeah. We don't know money coming out of the womb. I love that you said that. And we don't learn it from anywhere. We're not required. There's no required classes in school or anything like that. And it really is a lot of us who are in this, yeah, early to midlife stage of, okay, we got to educate ourselves. It's time to deconstruct and recond. Really dissolving shame is just such a big piece. I just can't reiterate that enough. I'm grateful we both talked about our messes today. And that's what keeps so many of us stuck for so long. It was shame that was like I was just spiraling in because I thought I should know this by now. Like I'm a competent person. Like I do well in other areas. Like why is this so freaking hard? But it makes sense. So Justin, could you tell everyone just where to find you? Maybe what's new going on in JFF that people can tap into? Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. Definitely hit your time limit. So if anybody wants to continue the conversation, you can find me on Instagram, Justin underscore Buonimo. The spelling will probably be in the show notes. A message me. It's me who responds. I love to talk to you, especially coming from Becky's world. I'm more than happy to chat. And then if there's any action takers out there, you got two things you could take action on outside of DMing me and Becky. I'll send you these for the show notes. We have an incredible, beautiful team member by the name of Stephanie Hall who lives in Hawaii on the beach. Well, she's moving back to California right now, but she lives in Hawaii on the beach. She gives out free consultations to people that are interested in our services to figure out if and how we can help you. And if we can't, she just loves down your little extra for the 60 minutes. So I'll have that link in the bio if so, or in the show notes if anybody wants to click that and book. And then also, if you want to just dive right into some of the stuff that we have, we also have something called a mini membership. Becky is a member, a full member, and she also is part of our highest tier of clients in a different program. Well, for people outside of those programs that want to get a low cost, low barrier to entry experience with us, we have something called a mini membership. It's a monthly subscription. It's a hundred bucks a month. You get two recordings a month of my teaching that we give to our highest echelon of clients. And you also get to come to one of those calls live too as well and actually be there at live on the call with me with 20 to 30 plus of our full members and community to feel that energy and have that experience. And I know I'm biased, but we said this on our live a couple of days ago, Becky, it's comparable for $100 mm -hmm. what people are getting. And so we'd love to invite you into our space with that low barrier to entry offer. So I'll make sure I send those to you, Becky, so you can put them in the show notes. Yeah. When I first found out about the mini membership, I'm like, oh my God, that, that I just think people, it is comical to not tip off on that if you need any money help at all. And I just want to speak to Steph Hall too. Steph's become a great friend of mine. 
And just for people to know, she is the least pushy person I've ever met in my life because she is the woman who's going to answer your questions if you do have any about JFF in the program. And she's just a ball of love, sunshine, light, love, and holds no energy of pressure. So I just want to speak to her character too. And really everyone on your team, Justin, the highest of integrity, just beautiful, decent people who are sincere and vulnerable and just congrats on what you've created. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be a part of it and reap the benefits of just the program you've created. And this was fun. And I'm excited for the next one. Can't wait for part two. Ah, uh, I'm honored you found today's episode worth your listen and time to hang out with me today. You know, for some of us, this podcast is just the thing you need to support you towards your breakthrough. But for others, we know we need a deeper level of support and guidance. So if you're a highly ambitious woman who's ready to repair deep, unshakable connection in your marriage, I'd love to tell you about my client coaching program called Root to Rise. This is the life-changing transformational container that will teach you exactly how to launch your marriage to the next level by moving trauma out of your body and stepping back into your power. Even if you've already tried everything, even if you're caught on the fence of should I stay or should I go, and even if your husband's not on board today. So look for my link in the show notes to book a call with me and we'll just talk about what's working, what's not, where you want to go. And very easily, I'll be able to tell you if and how I can help you. And if not me, I can still point you in the direction of some resources that can. So either way, tons of clarity. We'll have some fun getting to know each other while we're at it. And that's it for today. Huge hugs, my friend. I'll chat with you next Friday.